Hi, my name is Shirlene Bazile, and this is God Hates Black Girls. She never went to church, but insisted on telling me how to look when I went. We usually didn't talk about it, dresses and skirt, hair half up, half down. But that Sunday, Mama invaded the dining room while I was eating Captain Crunch and said, no way is she letting me walk out the house like that. I said, it's America. I can do what I want. Bandanas were fine so long as they didn't cover my whole head. If she didn't want me to wear it, she should have taken me to the hair store when I asked. She said she's not paying someone to do my hair when my sister can do it for free. I said Warson doesn't have the time. She said no one has time. People make time. She ripped off my bandana. I cried. I said I didn't ask for bad hair. She said, Maya, you can't cry over everything. I told her I wasn't going to church with my hair so short and nappy because I was tired of all the girls making fun of me and doesn't she know that God hates black girls and that's why he gave us black girl hair because God never cared for me anyway and that's why he made me ugly and gave me black girl hair because he wants me to be lonely and that's why he gave me to mama punish me for being black punish her for having me and that's why he's taking our house away because he hates our whole family doesn't she know mama acts like she can't hear me sometimes she said you're not white you can't enter a space any way you want that's what it is for us i don't care i said i'm not going I was serious about it too, but next thing I knew, Mama was placing a frilly dress in my lap and hovering near me with her hands on her hips. Ten minutes later, I sulked into Mrs. Richardson's car. She greeted me and called my hairstyle unique. I wish my hair could do what yours can, she said. Gift from God, I said. My church recently moved from the gymnasium of the technical high school to a renovated building in town. A handful of people from my school went, but they didn't like me because when I first moved here, we had some conflicts of the Bible. I didn't get it, what cool looked like in Spring Hill, Florida, and would regularly quote verses from the Bible. It didn't help that I brought with me my own Bible, brown with white streaks from frequent use. They didn't like how I held it, put it on display, they told me. I was supposed to keep it in a purse. It took me a few Sundays to realize that the Sunday school girls were commenting less on the aesthetic and more on the way I grasped it, with love. But how could I hold the Bible any other way? It was a massive collection of humanity, all these stories of us at our extremes trying to find our place in a world governed by a mostly unseen God. I sat on a bench near the back, lowering myself in the seat so that the bench blocked the sight of my hair. But the Sunday school girls were too smart. They surrounded me so that I was forced to stand and hug them hello. They grinned at the adults who must have found it sweet to see white girls embrace a black one. I pretended not to hear the sarcasm when one of the girls said, Oh my gosh, Maya, I love your hair. The other girls laughed. She continued, Now that I think about it, this isn't my favorite style. It's a little rough, like cotton. I kept my godly smile plastered on my face. She wasn't through yet. And it's short enough that it doesn't hide all that hair growing on your neck. I considered putting my middle finger up, but I was sure the Lord would get his revenge. The band started playing instrumental music to signal the start of service. The girls dispersed. I prayed for God to remove all the hair on my skin except for the hairs on my head. The adults loved me because I was quiet and I took notes during the sermon. Today, though, I was distracted. I was a watcher. It was like my back had a magnet on it that drew me upward until I hit the sloped dome ceiling. They were so pleasant, the churchgoers. They shook each other's hands and sang gospel in their white people style, swaying but staying in their personal bubbles, rigid even as they moved, even as they held their arms out like they didn't know what to do and so did whatever everyone was else was doing. These weren't my people. 
We all believed in God, yes, but we had different concerns, different ways of being. These people did not understand the life I lived. They prayed about getting promotions at their jobs or getting good grades. They didn't question themselves in the same way because even when they were told that they were all sinners, they knew they were loved. The evidence of God was all over their life. He didn't make them suffer, not in the same way. When I came back from church, the boys were huddled in a corner with a game console in their hand. They spoke a language I couldn't understand. I never understood, but I used to know how to make room for myself. They whispered and laughed. I wanted to laugh too. I wanted them to see me come in, smile warmly, and tell me they missed me, that they wished I could have stayed at home with them. And look at this cool thing we're watching. Laugh with us. Join us. I changed into pajamas and leaned against the wall. Sam said, uh, why are you staring at us? I shrugged. Nothing better to do. Did you go to church like that? He said. Sam, Langston said. I mean, I like your hair. They laughed. I was mortified. Even the boys. I searched the bathroom closet for old packs of hair extensions. I grabbed some scissors, locked the bathroom door. The counter was cold underneath me. I scooched into the corner. My feet rubbed against dried lotion on the countertop. I bent my neck to see the back of my hair in the side mirror. It looked like someone had shaved and swept all the leftover hairs onto my neck. I stole Warsan's razor, drenched my neck with water. My wild baby hair screamed, don't do it, we're natural. But I didn't care, I destroyed them. I liked the way my palm felt on my neck after, smooth, a little clammy. With a comb, I parted a sliver of my hair by my left ear. The line was jagged. I tried to make it straight with the rat tail end, the way Warsan always managed to do, but each comb swipe looked worse. I interlocked two strands of braiding hair, pressed it against my own, and twisted it into my hair. The extension slid out. The hair balled up and knotted with my own. I couldn't fix it no matter how hard I tried. The doorknob rattled. What? I yelled. Open the door. I need to pee, Warsan said. I'm busy. Open the fucking door. Her voice was tight. I was treading dangerous territory. I untwisted the lock and she stepped in, gave me a long look I couldn't decipher. She sat on the toilet, her blue braid swinging, and said, What are you doing? What does it look like? Why didn't you ask me? You said you'd never do my hair again. She flushed the toilet. I didn't mean that. It just takes a long time and I get tired. The last thing I want to do is look at another head when I get home from the salon. She gestured for me to move over and wash her hands. Okay, I can start your hair today and finish tomorrow. I can't go to school tomorrow with my hair half done. I'll do some in the back, some in the front. No one will know but you and me. I hugged her. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A hug? Is it the apocalypse? You're being nice, so maybe, I said. Hey, I'm a nice person. Sometimes. Whatever, undo all that mess. What were you trying to do? Look like a witch? I pressed at the braids Warsan put in too tight and moved my head in different angles to see if you could tell it was half done. I didn't like looking at my face for too long. My eyes were too big. My nose was too big. My lips too. Although the girls at school said they would kill for lips as plump as mine. It wasn't that I thought I was ugly. I liked my face sometimes. I was even starting to understand why someone might call me pretty. It was just knowing that most of America would see my skin, my features, and think ugly or almost pretty, and that knowledge was hard to hold. My hair looked good, I decided, so why did I still feel terrible? I turned away from the mirror and scooched into my corner of the room. The carpet prickled my fingers as I dragged my butt across. I apologized to God for being mean to him. 
If he let us keep our home, I'd go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life, and I would make the boys come too. I just didn't understand how he decided who inherited what, and what should you do when what you've been given is sour, hair like cotton, a mother always trying to tell me what to do, a house that wasn't mine, and I knew that, but somehow forgot or else I didn't think that it'd be taken away from me. The boys ran in, Linkston pet my head saying, don't be sad, I winced. Don't touch my hair, it hurts. Sam joined in and poked my arm repeatedly. Yeah, don't be sad. You look ugly when you're sad. You're gonna make her cry, Langston said. He grabbed Sam's pointing finger and twisted his arm behind his back. Apologize. Sam shook his head and winced. I started laughing. Langston kicked Sam's leg so that he fell on his face. He sat on top of Sam. Apologize. I tickled Sam's feet. He kicked frantically like he was trying to swim away. I added, and call me the most wonderful and beautiful sister on the planet. My tickles turned to punches, long, tight, and clockwise. Sam was shouting and wriggling like a worm, but I was thrilled to hurt someone. All right, all right, I surrender, he yelled. And, Linkson said, he grinned at me, I'm sorry. And, I cut in, laying on the ground so that Sam was looking at me when he said, hello, the most wonderful sister on the planet. And beautiful, you forgot beautiful. Sam sighed and tried to get out from under Langston. He fell flat. You guys are a bunch of jerks. Fine, you are the most wonderful and beautiful sister on the planet. Moi, you don't have to tell me twice, I said. Langston dug hard into Sam's back before sprinting away. Sam followed him out of the room. I could be sad again if I wanted. I could lean into all the bad things that happened to our family, cry until I had to get a bottle of water and drink to continue crying, but things would work out. They always did, and at least I had my family. I jumped up, grabbed an old radio from the garage, and blasted 80s hip-hop in the living room. I danced the running man, shouting loud enough every couple beats that, every, that the family came out to watch. Orsan joined, even though she said she was too tired to finish my hair. Jordan hopped, stepping on his tiny right foot, then his left. Sam danced like a sprinkler. Langston laughed at us, bobbing his head and twisting his hips. When Mama emerged from her room, we thought we were in for it. Langston moved to turn off the radio, but Mom reached for his hands and made him her partner in a compa dance that didn't fit the music. Langston looked reluctant to put his arms around her waist. He shook his head from side to side like the embarrassment was blinding him. He stepped on her toes and then tried to quit. He protested when she refused to let him go. Mama said, we must never give up, even with the small things. She looked beautiful, like a queen with her subjects surrounding her. We danced until Jordan rubbed his eyes and pointed toward Warsan's room. I fell asleep, beaming like a fool.